And I want to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, a show here on WEHC where we get to sit down and chitty chat with some awesome graduate of Emory and Henry and find out what the latest project is. And you know what? I am thrilled this morning that my guest is Emily Jones, Emory and Henry class of 2018. How you doing, Emily? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I feel like you don't need a lot of introduction because so many people I know still talk about you and bring you up. I was, I was, I was, I was teasing you that the other day in a meeting, people were like, well, this is the legacy of Emily Jones's internship. And so, you know, you're still talked about fondly in this community. Let's start with, let's start with where you are now. And then we're going to make you back up a little and talk about how you got there. So tell us about your job right now. Yeah, so um, uh, I am a park ranger with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Most folks don't realize that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which does a wide amount of things, um, actually has public land and park rangers. Um, but we are actually a very highly visited um, parks. The core parks around the country are, are um, I believe, actually number two behind the National Park Service for visitation. Not land size, but in terms of actual visitation. So um, I believe that's correct. <laughs> we have a lot of visitation. So we see a lot of people <laughs> every year. I work specifically at John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir, which is right on the North Carolina state line. If you're from Virginia, you might also call it Bugs Island Lake. It's the same body of water. And my job specifically is I'm our outreach park ranger. So I do kind of all of our environmental education or I head up. I have a wonderful team of coworkers here who help with everything, of course, but I kind of head up our environmental education or interpretive services. That's kind of everything from going to schools to do programs to hosting field trips and to like managing our environmental education center. I also kind of head up our water safety initiatives, our water safety program. So because all of the Corps' public land is generally centered around a reservoir that's been created because of the dam being built um, generally back in the early 1900s to mid-1900s, a lot of people come to our parks to recreate on the water or to swim, to fish, to boat, all that kind of stuff. So we do a lot of water safety education. And then I also manage our partnership program and kind of everything else outreach related. So social media, website, all that kind of fun stuff, <laughs> brochures, you know, all the other outreach related materials that that kind of come along with that. And then I, I also help with our volunteer program as needed. So and get to work with volunteers, which is honestly one of my favorite parts of my job. <laughs> so anyway, it's a lot. We do a lot here. That's just a small portion. We have rangers here that are foresters, biologists, shoreline rangers that work with our shoreline customers, other park rangers that do everything from, you know, quality assurance to recreation um, management. So there's a lot of different job titles, the same being a park ranger or a natural resource specialist, but the actual hats that everyone wears are, is totally different. There's a lot of different actual jobs, <laughs> if that makes sense. My gosh, now I have so many more questions that I didn't have for you before. So for starters, you're doing five jobs, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, man. There's a lot. Everybody here has a lot of stuff on their plates. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. And also, when you say that everybody wears a different hat, what you really mean is all your hats match and they're all those flat ones that nobody likes to wear. They are, yes. They are okay. all the campaign hats. I'm inside, so I don't have to wear that for this. So let's unpack a little bit. I'm one of those people who did not know about Corps of Engineers having like places you could visit. How, how many parks are there that are actually... Corps of Engineer Parks that you're like you're talking about. Like <laughs> roughly, let's just talk about like sort of in the Virginia, North Carolina area. 
Oh, yeah. So in the Virginia, North Carolina area, let's see, there's at least six, I think, different reservoirs, five or six different reservoirs um, in the state. And you can kind of include if you go down towards the coast in North Carolina, there's um, locks and dams. So they have some different public land parks as well. So but they don't have many rangers that work there. So it, it kind of varies, really. It really varies from project to project, as we call it, or kind of reservoir or lake to, you know, reservoir or lake. But we're all, all of the lakes and reservoirs have been congressionally authorized is the phrase, um, to do a lot of different things. So like for where, um, and recreation can be one of those things. So like for where I am at John H. Carr or Bugs Island, you know, flood control is kind of the number one. Hydropower is the number two, followed by fish and wildlife habitat, recreation and water supply. So we're water supply for several cities and towns nearby in the area. Well, that's fascinating to me because so, so basically these places were created for the standpoint of like making something happen like electricity or flood mitigation mm -hmm. but then they've said well we've got a lake let's do something good with it is that kind of how that happened that, that's exactly how that is we have um we manage like four campgrounds around the lake but we also um lease land to state parks so there's seven north carolina state parks on this lake as well as two uh, Virginia state parks. And so in addition to the four campgrounds that we manage and all of the different boat ramps and day use areas, we also, so John H. Carr is about 50,000 acres surface area wise, which is pretty big, not the biggest by, by any means, but pretty big for this area. We also manage about 50,000 acres of land around the lake as well. So that's where our like biologists and foresters, they come in, you know, we have all these different wildlife management areas that are used. We do prescribed burns or controlled burns. We do all sorts of different stuff, I guess you could say. <laughs> stuff, no, and good stuff. So what are the North Carolina state parks that are on that property? And what are the Virginia state parks that are on that property? Just to kind of help us Put into context where, and it's interesting, you say John Carr, but it's K-E-R-R, -R, right? But it's pronounced Carr. It is pronounced Carr, like C-A-R. Um, we do get that a lot. We get that question a lot. So it's the the lake is, the reservoir is named after, and the dam itself is called Carr Dam because it's named after the North Carolina congressman who got the, the funding and, and got the everything kind of finally approved back in the um, mid 1900s. So 1947 to 52, I believe is when the dam here was being built in the, okay. you know, after that, the lake being inundated. So, <laughs> but to answer your question, North Carolina state parks, they all fall under the name of Car Reservoir or Car Lake State Park. So if you look on the North Carolina state park website, it's all lumped into one, but there's actually about seven different campgrounds per se and parks associated with those. Huh. So um, like Hibernia, Nutbush, State Park, County Line, Kimball Point. Those are some of the North Carolina ones. Um, but yeah. if you go to their website, it's all lumped under uh, lumped under one car lake. And then the uh, the Virginia two Virginia state parks are a little bit different. They are totally separate. They operate independently of one another. So Okanichee State Park is one, as well as Stanton River State Park. And then we also have nearby Stanton River Battlefield State Park on the Virginia side, on but it's further upstream on the Stanton River. So we work with them, but they're a bit further away from us. So roughly, again, to put it a little bit more into context, what like mm -hmm. 
Virginia town is close by to all that. So we're in the southern Piedmont of Virginia, um, really kind of more in the central part of the state, south of Roanoke. South Hill is a town that's kind of closer to mm-hmm. us. That's about 20 minutes away, depending on how fast you drive. So that's right on 85, but our office address is technically the town of Boydton, Virginia, B-O-Y-D-T-O-N, which is not a large place. But special because it's where right. your office is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And um, Henderson, North Carolina is close to us as well, kind of on the side of things. So um, is it, yeah. it feels weird that it's a shared space. Is the dam like right on the state line? It is technically in Virginia, but a really good chunk of the lake is in um, North Carolina. Interesting. All right. And so in the hydroelectric part, who does it supply electricity to? Yeah, great question. I'm going to try to explain in a not convoluted way, but it is kind of convoluted. <laughs> so it gets, basically it gets sold to this conglomerate essentially, but that hydroelectricity ends up going to different local and not local municipalities, cities, power companies, all that gotcha. kind of stuff. So okay. So it, it's it, not it's not it's controlled not, by like one state or the other. No, it gets and I don't remember the acronym for the for the group that it technically kind of the middleman, if you will, goes to several different local and non-local, you know, power companies and things like that. So. I really hope the acronym spells something fun like shock or plug or power (laughs) but we power about forty thousand homes annually here at john h Carr. so well while you're on numbers so you're saying you get up so you get a bunch of visitors how many visitors do you get john h carb or bugs island receives about four million visitors a year stop it right now yeah (laughs) well that is crazy what are and, and all those people are doing a little bit of everything a little bit of everything, fishing, swimming, uh, picnicking, camping, coming to see the dam, coming to the Environmental Education Center, going to all the other state parks, Environmental Education Centers. I mean, it's it's anything and, and everything, really. Um, hunting is another big one. Birding, we get a lot of birders. It's it's pretty good. And fun facts, if you look up, just Google Value to the Nation um, or look up Value to the Nation, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, it'll pull you up to this website where you can actually look at the literal breakdown of numbers, the value to the nation of every core lake or reservoir project. And you can look at it from economics, um, environmental, recreation, hydropower, um, all that kind of water supply. It's it's all done. They don't do it every single year for every single lake project, but every two, two years or so. I think our most recent recreation one, which talks about visitation for John H. Carr was 2021. 2022, I think. So, yeah. um, but you can look, you can hit the little drop down button and look at all the lakes and click which one you want to see. Learning so much stuff. All right. So let's jump into the stuff that I love, which it, okay. and I'm, I'm hoping that it's the part of your job you enjoy, the environmental education part. Tell us a little bit about what some of the programs are that you get to do. And is it for kids? Is it for adults? Who's it for? Who benefits? What do you what do you really enjoy teaching them about? Well, first off, Monica, you know from my time at Emory Henry that I love working with all ages of folks. So I do programs all across the board from I did a program uh, last week that was with even like two year olds were there, you know, um, to community groups. I work very closely with our Virginia Master Naturalist chapter you know, and a lot of other community groups and camps, summer camps, schools. So the ages is really kind of all across the board, which is very fun and exciting. I do a lot of um, presentations as well and for, you know, groups and, and stuff like that that ask for them. And it is everything. It is all sorts of stuff. It is everything from a hydropower type program to a watershed program to, um, you know, animal tracking to, 
I mean, it's, it covers the whole, I mean, really anything that has to do with what we're doing here, forestry programs, programs on prescribed burns, anything really, as long as it relates to what we're doing. So we have some fun watershed programs. I love doing those. And I love doing um, birding and animal tracking programs because that's very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> I do guided hikes. I mean, all sorts of different campground programs we do, um, or campground or campfire type programs. I have wonderful, wonderful co-workers as well as volunteers, interp volunteers that work with me. And we do campground programs in the summer in our campgrounds. And that could be everything from like a fun, you know, Bugs Island Jeopardy themed game to, you know, I have an, is that pelt for real, for real, if you are, um, you know, <laughs> like all, it could be anything, you know, so I do a lot of field trips at our environmental education center people want to come see it we do have some live animals in there so it just depends on what what group is coming what age they are and what what they want to learn about so <laughs> well and this begs the question how, how did you learn all this stuff yeah i mean i learned a lot of things at emory henry but first off but you know in environmental environmental science world but it's and doing all my different internships and i went to graduate school some information from there as well of course but really, I think one of the things I enjoy most about my job is that I get to learn along with, you know, everyone else and, and when I'm doing programs and everything else. So even if I'm not like super, super familiar with something or I know, you know, kind of basic information, um, I have kind of the tools and resources connections through my job, you know, to be doing a deeper dive to to plan to plan out interpretive programs and, and different educational stuff. They send you to training, of course. You know, I was going to say, surely, surely there's a little bit of training, training. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> many trainings. <laughs> so it just kind of depends. But I think one of the things I love is because I just love learning myself so much is that I, I get to, you know, take the time to actually be like, okay, I think I want to do something on this or someone asked for this and I know enough about it to give them a kind of a basic overview, but I want to deep dive more. So I have the ability to kind of do that, which is awesome. And that mm -hmm. being, you know, being, a, I heard this in an interview yesterday, being a good student of life makes you a good steward of the world and a good person to know and be around because you're you want to learn something all the time. Yeah. I mean, I can't agree more. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just so much fun and getting to, getting to work with so many different people um, and, and talk about so many different things is such an opportunity that I enjoy. And, and it's brought a lot of connections as well, you know, for me asking for information on things from other agencies to other, you know, people in the area who are experts on stuff or, you know, Hey, I want to do a birding, a great backyard birding count event, kind of like the one we did way back in the day, you know, and <laughs> And, um, you know, I love birding. I know a lot about birds, but I'm not an expert expert. So how about I just have some experts come with me? I mean, you know, like it's one of those, like, it's just so much fun to be able to plan that kind of stuff, both for the community, but also you just get to, you know, reap the benefits of that yourself. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and don't you find that there's this wonderful network of people who just get excited about sharing those things that they're passionate about and they're thrilled that you would ask them. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and being able to, you know, be asked back to do more programs and, you know, especially with school and kids and, you know, summer camps. Um, I get to do a lot of series, you know, program series. So it's so great being able to not just see a group once, but to be able to see them four times, you know, in a span of time. And that really builds that relationship with them and gets them even more excited into, you know, our natural world. <laughs> exactly. And do you find, do you think it's, 
I'm just going to put you on the spot. Do you think it's important for children to know these things? I do think it's very important. I think interp and outreach is like some of the most important things. It doesn't matter what you do at all. You know, that that those are um, where we make some of the biggest changes informing people. So yes, all of us here as rangers do a lot of visitor assistance. We do a lot of outreach, you know. Um, I mean, every day we're doing outreach and visitor assistance, even if we're just talking to the public. But right. being able to actually in a, in a kind of more... I don't know, formal is not the right word, but a designated setting for doing, you know, environmental education and interp is, is awesome because you can see those kind of, oh, we talked about this two weeks ago. Do you remember what we talked about? Yes, you do. Great. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Nothing makes me happier when I've been talking to a group of kids and I'll ask them a question about bats and they know more than I do. And I love that because I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know Jack about bats when I was little. And so yeah. it makes me very happy when they know all the answers. Yeah, it's awesome. I want to remind everyone that we're talking today with Emily Jones, Emory and Henry class of 2018, who is a ranger. I like to say ranger like they did on um, Toy Story. Ranger okay. with the Corps of Engineers at, at John Kerr Reservoir. And we're just talking to her about so many things. And I have a million questions for you, but I know we only have you know a short show. So I'm going to have to reel myself in here. But let's back okay. up just a little bit, because if people haven't read um, your little profile that's on the Emory Henry website, tell us a little bit about um, some of the other things that you've done before this job, including um, some time you spent in Costa Rica, I do believe, working on a pineapple plantation. Tell them a little bit about that. I think that's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, so since Emory and Henry, I went kind of directly to grad school, got my master's in natural resources and sustainable development. Um, and part of that was spending, I spent almost a year down in Costa Rica. Um, and part of that, about a month of that was doing my uh, practicum or, you know, instead of doing a thesis, I did a practicum, meaning I was out, you know, doing um, more of a community-based project. I was in a team with three other folks and our research was on essentially the social and um, environmental or community health impacts and environmental impacts of the pineapple industry on neighboring communities um, that live near those pineapple plantations in Costa Rica. And, and often, um, you know, those folks that are living in those communities near the pineapple plantations are working in the pineapple, you know, industry in some capacity, whether it's you know, they're actually in the field or they're in a packaging plant or sorting plant or that kind of thing. So, right. yeah, so I got to do a bunch of research. We actually stayed in one of those communities for a few weeks and did a bunch of interviews, got to write a nice long paper about that one. It was really great. And actually one of our other, we were there with a couple of other groups too. We were all kind of asking different questions, interviewing about different things, but we were all kind of there under one umbrella. And actually one of the other groups published their research and part of our research was published in their paper wow. as well. Super proud of them for being able to publish their work and for giving us a little byline in there, you know? <laughs> so, um, so. Anyway, yes, a lot of folks don't know that pretty much every pineapple anywhere in the U.S., if you look at the tag, is coming from Costa Rica. Any pineapple in Europe, if you look at the tag, is coming from Costa Rica. And there are a lot of layers to that. All the different impacts of that are very, very vast, <laughs> yeah. both in terms of people's health from, you know, a mono large monocrop um, industry that has to use a pretty heavy pesticides and all that kind of stuff, as well as impacts to the environment. So everything from wildlife to water. Actually, this, the university I went to, American University, they 
they have continued to do some of that research as well. So, And where in Costa Rica were you? Yeah, we were in Ciudad Cologne, which is right outside of San Jose. Um, but we were, I went to the University for Peace, which is a United Nations kind of designated university. It's very interesting for anyone who's interested in graduate school. It is awesome. You can go there just for graduate school or you can find, they partner with several different universities in the United States and in Europe and in um, some other, other countries around the world, different universities basically that you can can do a dual degree program, which is what I did. So yeah. I was at American University in DC and then also at the University for Peace in Costa Rica. The person who told me about it was Travis Prophet. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> I am so impressed with what you're doing and how you're doing it and how well you present yourself and you know so many things. You came to Emory and Henry maybe just a mention shy. Is that fair to say? You've really blossomed. Thank you. Yes, I would say that I was definitely shy. And I came to Emory and Henry kind of like as a, I don't know what I want to do. So we're here to figure that out, you know, or to work towards figuring out the things that I enjoy. So and Emory and Henry was awesome for that. (laughs) Was there something that happened to Emory and Henry that made you go, oh, environmental studies, this is my jam. I basically my freshman year decided I would just get all my regular old credits out of the way, a way to kind of explore some different things I thought that interested me. And in doing that, I actually met Dr. Davis and Travis. And so really in doing that, they were the two that kind of got me more interested in community development, the civic innovation stuff, as well as environmental. Um, And it just kind of all fell into one. It's what made me the most excited in any of my classes. I was started to, you know, do the whole, you know, I was learning in class. I was doing my homework, doing the assignments, but I was also like on the side, like doing more research and figuring out other things, you know, and wanting to read books about stuff. And that's, you know, I think a good sign that you're, you, you're not just interested in it, but you, you're kind of latching on to it. You're starting to care more about it. That's kind of how it, how it started. And then of course my friends, you know, once I got into something, they're sending me all sorts of stuff, you know, and which is awesome. Friends do that, you know, rest is history. It's sweet that people quickly recognized your passion and that, and that you had found your passion. And so they wanted to support that. Exactly. One of the reasons we reconnected this week is because I was in a meeting, meeting of Southwest Virginia environmental educators and Someone said, well, we're doing this program because it's what Emily Jones started when she was a student at Emory Henry. I was like, that is the greatest thing ever. And one of the things that you started when you were a student was an intergenerational opportunity for kids and their grandparents to learn about the environment. Can you talk just a little bit about that so that we can, I mean, let's brag on the fact that that we're still doing those things because of you. Oh, man. Um, I'm so excited. You know, when you messaged me, I was like, oh, my gosh, I miss it so much. But this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, when I I had to do um, for the honors program and for the civic innovation um, degree, I had to do kind of a year long capstone kind of project um, and thesis. And basically through workshopping with some different professors and faculty, I ended up kind of landing on the fact that I love intergenerational learning settings. Um, Myself, I've benefited from them so much. And so, you know, that's essentially when um, you got people from different generations. It doesn't have to be, you know, a five-year-old and a 75-year-old. It just has to be people from different generations actually learning together. And that could be families or not families, but learning and doing things together. And really the idea, I guess, was kind of born from, I love working with people. I love working with the environment. And, you know, we have a lot of natural environment for lack of a better word, crises going on right now around the world. And so, you know, being able to actually work on all of those, you know, using 
some of those environmental situations using those environmental learning settings for different generations because the environment impacts literally everyone all day, all the time. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Um, and so using, you know, environmental education and environmental projects, you know, and all that kind of stuff is kind of a community development tool to get folks of different ages together to do some work together and to learn together. And so, yeah, there's pedagogy about that, you know, intergenerational learning out there for folks that are more interested in that. We get kind of siloed a lot, especially in the U.S., I think, um, in learning just because we're in different public and private institutions and you get, you know, you're only learning with the people that are your age, but we do a lot of learning with people that aren't our ages, you know, and people have all sorts of different experiences. And so being able to kind of tap into all of that is, I think, a really unique opportunity. Right. We did a project. (laughs) I worked with, I think it was at the end of the day, 10 organizations, nine or 10 organizations in the community. The Virginia Master Naturals chapter was one, Master Gardeners was another to plan a series of environmental, intergenerational environmental education events. So, yeah. Well, this was someone in Master Gardeners who was still talking about that, what they're doing with a garden fair that is going to, that still represents your good work. And and we had a pretty good thing going with Virginia Master Naturalists regarding that, but COVID kind of upended us a little bit. So we're hoping that we start that up again. Well, we kind of threw a, threw a loop for everything. So. <laughs> it did. It did. But I also hope that maybe it also got some people to pay more attention to the environment since mm-hmm. clearly that also makes a difference there. So, but that's another mm-hmm. conversation. What are the things from Emory and Henry that seem to follow you most um, in your career um, and in the work that you're doing right now? Yeah, I think um, Emory and Henry afforded me a lot of opportunities to be very hands-on with a lot of things, to do a lot of different actual projects, not just write a paper, but to be involved in a lot of different things, to get, you know, take classes, you know, where I was doing public speaking, take classes where I was really getting to kind of work on presentations and programs and internships and a lot of very practical experience, which is what is going to transfer to anything anywhere, <laughs> you know, really, you know, that is the kind of stuff that that gets you you know, that you can really learn a lot from and to carry through through any job. But I also, I think while I was there at Emory and Henry, we kind of shifted to the ampersand thing, which I actually use a lot in analogy world, metaphor world. (laughs) And even at work, the and, the idea of the and, I love that kind of from a less practical hands-on perspective, but from an actual kind of talking about things and conversations, actually kind of using that as a, um, tool, you know, yes, and um, not yes, but I love that. I use that a lot at work as well, trying to solve different problems, solve different things and do, you know, visitor assistance and all that stuff. So yeah, I think a lot of practical experience, a lot of, you know, being able to to really get out there, do projects, work with my classmates on stuff, my peers, you know, actually getting to do group work, getting to do all that kind of stuff really is what I think I take the most, you know, away from. I didn't just have to go to class and write a paper. I was doing a lot of a lot of hands-on stuff. <laughs> real, real, real world kinds of things that you got to. Real world kinds of things. So I'm so fascinating. You're the second person in a week to mention that the ampersand and saying yes and has really followed you. That's interesting to me that you really, that that really has made such an impression. I kind of love that. Yes. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with folks when I'm in conversation with them, you know, we live in a, I think personally, we kind of live sometimes in a world where we want to simplify a lot of things, but we live in a very complex world. And, you know, really in, in a lot of my classes at Emory Henry, I was challenged to not 
shy away from the complexity of things and try to oversimplify them, which is very important. I find in my current job, which is fairly complex a lot of the time. So being able to navigate a lot of that and to not be like, okay, this is like, there's a lot going on. This is a complex situation, whether that's, you know, an emergency with the public or, you know, it could be anything. I mean, really, and and dealing with that, not shying away from that. I love that. that and not to mention the fact that as someone who works in nature, don't you find the intricacies and interactions of nature to be super complex? Oh yeah, no, you can't simplify it at all. It's one of the most amazing things about nature, but also can be kind of frightening. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you realize just how important every little piece of it is. All right, I'm going to make you sign off with this. Tell us if you had to if you had to give one awesome piece of advice, here's something you can do to make a difference. I think one of the biggest ways to make a difference is actually just get curious about something and to try to learn more. Really, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we talk about interpretation um, where really interpretation is not teaching towards a goal necessarily. You have objectives, but it's not teaching like when you're in class, you know, studying for a standard exam you know interpretation is planting the seed you know and so getting trying to get people more curious about stuff and really that's where i think most change happens once you start to kind of go oh maybe i should learn more about this or i might be interested <laughs> that's i think that's you know getting curious and and if you have families or family or friends or anyone you know that is suddenly getting curious about something encourage it emily i want to say thank you for being with us today proud of you and excited to see what you're doing and and now that we've heard more about this, we all want to come see you at John Carr Reservoir. That kind of rhymes. So we also want to maybe get you to come do a program for us sometime. So we're going to work on that. Anytime. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Duck Pond Wall today and for catching up with Emily Jones, class of 2018. I hope you'll keep listening to WEHC because it is, in fact, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Mm-hmm.